Hi, I'm Matt Curtis, founder of Smart City Policy Group. Our team of former policymakers works on bridging the divide between the innovation economy and government. This chat brings together discussions with local leaders, innovators, and stakeholders while we all try to highlight solutions that work. The world is changing and new ideas are coming to communities every day. Let's highlight the solutions and the best practices and let's hear what works for local leaders. Here now are Smart City Policy Stories. All right, thanks everyone for joining us. This is another episode of Smart City Policy Stories. This is a great time to get together and talk about the issues that are facing cities, the future of American cities. And in fact, we have uh, somebody who has been talking about this issue for a long time and done a successful job with his own city, and then also guiding America's mayors in his role as president of the United States Conference of Mayors. Thank you for joining us, Mayor Mick Cornett. Thanks so much for being here. Good to see you again, first of all, Matt. And it's nice to emerge from this uh, this, this year of hiding uh, and to talk about some of my favorite subjects. So thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. You know, someday soon we're going to be doing this live and in person and we won't be doing this on Zoom anymore. So uh, I look forward to that and it'll be great to see you. Will we get to see you? Will you continue to be uh, participating in the Conference of Mayors and will you be able to come to Austin? I will be there. Yeah, my wife and I have already marked that out on our calendar and and I'm not sure exactly what activities I'm, I'm going to have. I've had a couple of private sector inquiries as to, to my schedule and whether or not I'll be there. Um, I may just uh, be there as a spectator, uh, meeting old friends, or I may actually be you know trying to conduct some work there. So, but I'll be there. Um, it's I'm going to take the train down. I think we'll just we'll just take uh, Amtrak down. Oh, wonderful. You know, uh, and so many mayors want to talk to you about what you did in Oklahoma City. It was so successful. It was so transformational. Uh, I mentioned that I wanted to pay you this compliment, but I was speaking to the mayor's office just yesterday from Kansas City. And Kansas City, Missouri is also going through incredible transformation and they want to continue their success. And they were talking about the success of Oklahoma, uh, which you uh, certainly uh, guided uh, through through your years as mayor. Uh, and you captured all that success well in your book, uh, the Next American City, which is very easy to find online. Uh, but uh, it's a great book and it's a great read, too. It's a, really a, a roadmap for American mayors and people who are interested in cities and want to see cities transform. Um, you know, uh, I know that you know all the stories in the book, but uh, talk to us a little bit about about the book and, and just about your time as mayor. Well, the the. The book was the result of just kind of a collection of stories. I, I was am doing a lot of public speaking and, and always have about uh, urbanism and weight loss and Oklahoma City story. And with my background in television, I, I, uh, I kind of developed a niche on the speaker circuit. And then, you know, as, as people would go online and see the videos that had been created of me speaking in places, you know, it was just constantly, when are you going to do a book? And so really the, the book was a collection of the stories that I had been telling, uh, you know, through the years. Um, and I, I, I think I'm at my heart, a storyteller. Um, and I think Oklahoma City has a very unique story. And I was finally convinced to do the book when when a, when a young man named Jason White, who's the co-author of the book, he convinced me what the book was about. He said there is this trend that's developing um, of highly educated young people um, being less interested in living on the East and West Coast and more interested in living in America's heartland or in mid-sized cities. And although that's happening in a lot of places, there's no better example of that than Oklahoma City. 
And I, and I think that's probably because, I mean, no city came as far as fast as Oklahoma City did. And that's partially because it was a really dreadful place, you know, especially in the downtown core in, say, 1990. And my predecessors did some great work. Um, and I was, you know, around first in the media and then on city council and then elected as mayor to kind of to kind of watch um, the, the city start to progress and then stand on the shoulders of my predecessors and and then help the city get to, to new heights. So um, I, I think all of that is is what's encompassed in the book. And I think there are things that people can learn. And I'm very honest about, you know, how things took place and and some things that I saw coming and some things that I didn't. And so, I mean, I think people also enjoy the fact that I kind of, uh, you know, expose what it's like to be the mayor and how things end up happening, sometimes by happenstance and sometimes by, you know, some very aggressive planning. Well, you know, Jason White uh, is a friend of mine as well, and he's such a beautiful writer and he's such a smart guy. And he had such great access to uh, so many mayor's offices in the United States through the program that he ran, the Urban Advisory Policy Group. Um, And uh, uh, I think he's spot on for noticing that having served in the roles that I served in Austin. We recognize Austin, sometimes Nashville, sometimes Portland are often discussed as sort of a best practice city or a city to to look at, to model after. What you highlight so well is there are all these other incredible stories that are actually growing with a faster trend line. Oklahoma City being a tremendous example of like that. But Louisville, uh, Chattanooga, uh, Des Moines, our, our mayor, uh, our friend Mayor County in Des Moines, Albuquerque, all the work that Mayor Barry did and uh, the continued change of Albuquerque and other cities as well. I mean, you you uh, you aptly capture that uh uh, that line that uh, Richard Florida used, I, I scribbled it down from the very first uh, uh, couple of pages of the book. Successful places are intentional. <laughs> uh, you know, Richard Florida's line there, successful places are intentional, really does grab what you as you know, municipal uh-huh. leaders need to be focusing on to create this sense of place, this great city that you did. And you are also incredibly charitable because not a lot of mayors often give credit to their predecessors and include the community. And there's not a page that goes by in this book, I feel like, where you're not also including the community as helping you create the success and then all the work of uh, the previous mayors and other government leaders as well. So it's a, it's a very kind thing of you to do. Well, it's one of the things I learned as mayor is you can't do anything by yourself. Um, you always need help. You always need partners. You always need to work with other people. And, uh, you know, I, I just discovered that the less I made it about me, the more successful I was, which is a, a little bit contradictory. There's an irony in there somewhere. But um, I mean, I, I just I just realized that, you know, I, I'm in a position where I can really make a difference and help people get things accomplished. Yeah. But, well, um, you know, you, 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 but uh, you don't make anything happen by yourself. Well, you know, one issue that you it was a fascinating story because I didn't know about it. But I had a, a memory of you being on the Ellen show. I had a, a, a memory of, uh, you know, of course, all the different lists that cities want to be on and cities don't want to be on. I had a memory of Oklahoma City being on the the, the fattest city list and uh, right. certainly an issue that I am challenged with personally. And we've been challenged with in our own city. But you did something about it. Talk to us a little bit about that. 
Well, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's a, it is a long story, but, but in general, I was, I was uh, talking to my own citizens and to audiences around the country when I could get an audience about Oklahoma City kind of being an emerging place. And to justify that, that belief, I was talking about all these lists that were coming out that ranked cities and really Oklahoma City had never been on lists before. You know, I mean, we, we were just kind of the forgotten city in the middle of the country, but suddenly we started showing up on, you know, best city to get a job, best downtown. And we were like number 15 on these lists or number 20. But, you know, we were starting to emerge and people were starting to notice us a little bit. And as I kind of got accustomed to talking about these lists, came the list of the, the most obese cities in the country or the fattest cities in the country. I forget exactly how they termed it. And I was, you know, embarrassed. Um, um, the media was, you know, these are my friends in the media that I used to work with and like so much. And here they were putting, you know, microphones in front of me and saying, well, wh- what are you going to do about it? Or, you know, what do you think? And I didn't really have any answers and I started examining it and I started losing weight. So, I mean, I didn't tell anybody. I just stopped eating as much. And I, I, I don't want to be the, the overweight mayor in the overweight city. So I stopped eating as much and I'd always exercise. So, I mean, the weight came off. You know, I've started losing about a pound a week. And then I started examining weight loss as a culture in our community, trying to figure out why did we have such a, a really, really hard time? And I, I noticed a couple of things. First of all, we had completely sold out to the automobile. I mean, nobody, nobody walked in Oklahoma City. And that's only a slight exaggeration. I mean, if you needed to go around the block, you would have looked for the car keys. I mean, it was just a complete automobile culture. I grew up in it. I was ingrained in it. And so were my kids. And so was the entire city. The second thing I noticed was that we weren't talking about the obesity issue in our city. It was kind of like something we whispered about. And, uh, you know, and and usually when you're on a list that that you don't want to be on, there's all these built-in excuses. You'll talk about how the data was collected incorrectly or it's misleading and this is the real story. I mean, there's all sorts of these defensive mechanisms that political leaders and business leaders come up with when their city is, is being you know, de- de- degraded by some national list. And I noticed that when we were put on the list of the most obese cities, we in Oklahoma City just kind of looked at each other and said, yeah, I bet that's right. I mean, we, we weren't denying it. We just had you know, no plan of action. And I thought, you know, with my background in communications, I said, look, I do not know the answer to this, but I know one thing, we've got to start talking about it. And so uh, after several months of consideration and thinking about it and losing weight myself, I, um, I went to the zoo, I stood in front of the elephants and I announced that I was placing the entire city on a diet and that we were going to lose a million pounds. And so it was kind of a you know high level of audacity, you know, of kind of a stunt, but it did get people talking about it. So it created the conversation. And within weeks, it had become kind of a national slash worldwide story. And I wound up on the Ellen DeGeneres show, as you talked about. And then the media, especially our, our local newspaper, kind of adopted the effort. And that really gave it legs. And um, the the penetration level of of the effort. I mean, it seemed like everyone in the city knew they were on a diet, and 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 it was also a little bit tongue in cheek, but a little bit serious. Yep. And 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 if you weren't on a diet yourself, you were trying to help somebody else. So it really did spark a cultural shift. 
Um, and so, I mean, that's, that's what I did. And I could, I mean, literally I can talk an hour and a half about this. So I want to be careful not to get carried away and take up too much of your time, but, but that's how it started. Well, it was incredible. And, you know, your background in communications and your background in, uh, um, you know, kind of understanding how people react doing the first visual in front of elephants was, was what a story. But then uh-huh. doing a follow-up in front of the, I think it was a National Air Guard uh, plane that it was 125,000 yeah. uh, uh, mm-hmm. pounds uh, just to be able to show, hey, this is how far we've come and we, we still have a ways to go. That's amazing. And I feel like if I recall, you you were able to uh, look through some data and, and, and tell that you had hit your mark at about four years. Did it take yeah, about four, four years? years and three weeks later, we reached the million pound mark and we had a website. So we were cognizant of how many people were signing up, pledging to lose weight. And it was all voluntarily. I mean, you know, we didn't actually go out and weigh anybody other than me. I mean, but, but, you know, people just put in what they weighed when they started and then they would come back in and log in. And, and eventually um, we, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, nearly 50,000 people. Uh, had signed up and the million pounds was reached. And I, I'm always quick to point out that uh, one word, very important thing. Um, you know, for all I know, there was 47,000 other people who gained a million pounds, you know, during right. that same time frame. So I, I don't know if the city was a million pounds healthier or not. Uh, but I do know that it, it was an awareness campaign. And there was a high penetration of that message on the awareness side. So I do think it, it was a great success on, on an awareness of a serious issue. And then we turned that into a public initiative because we funded some um, investments into our infrastructure to be a healthier community. Uh, and we had to go to a public vote. And so the idea that we had illustrated the problems in our city through that initiative, I think helped us pass um, better sidewalks, more jogging and biking trails, senior health and wellness centers, which have become a big hit, you know, here in Oklahoma City. And I think all of that was the result of this kind of recognition uh, first by me, but then by the city at large that we had a problem and it was on us to fix it. I mean, we, oh, yeah. we can't expect Washington to come in and make you skinnier. I mean, that, that's that's got to be something you do yourself. Oh, yeah. And as a local leader, you did a great job in the book of connecting the dots between wellness and a stronger economy, a better economy. You know, uh, we have such a reactive healthcare system. If we're more well, if we're more, you know, over, overall healthy, and part of that is creating the infrastructure for a more walkable community, uh, we reduce that impact on the local economy. You also touched on Mayor uh, Fisher's work uh, related to wellness uh, in Louisville as well, which was a fascinating read. If I could just uh, talk about the infrastructure there, you guys had passed some amazing programs you called Metropolitan, uh, Metropolitan Assistance Programs. Metropolitan Area Projects. Yeah, MAPS. Uh, and uh, really developing some amazing things, making some incredible changes. The MAPS program helped you to, to develop Bricktown. Is that correct? That's right. Um, uh, we built a canal, kind of a San Antonio style canal. We built a minor league baseball stadium in Bricktown. Um, and uh, and that spawned pub- a private investment that kind of turned an old abandoned warehouse district into an entertainment district. But before Bricktown, it was as you describe it, a ditch and, and just an old warehouse, right? 
Yeah, that, well, that was the river. Yeah, I mean, there's two bodies of water here. One, the canal that we man-made, and then then there was a river that didn't have any water in it. And, and it, I mean, it was basically dry, maybe a trickle of, of water if it had rained recently. Uh, but yeah, we built dams and dammed up the water and have created since then the finest venue in the world for the sports of canoe, kayak, and rowing. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, it's amazing. And uh, we've built a whitewater facility. So literally you can come to downtown Oklahoma city and have a whitewater rafting experience or get in the river and, and, uh, and, and be a part of, of, you know, the U S Olympic uh, you know, team, uh, which, uh, which continues to use Oklahoma city as one of its bases. Wow. And then of course the uh, minor league ballpark, the canal and, and, and other uh, investments there that you made help bring in the private investment in the, in, in, in the uh, form of condos and, and retail. Is that right? That's right. Condos. Um, you know, there's also quite a bit of philanthropy that, that jumped in, you know, in, in, uh, you know, that time frame of 10 to 15 years ago. Um, and, uh, and we've invested in parks and a new convention center, we, you know, and, and, uh, we, you know, we built a sports arena, uh, you know, we passed that initiative in the early nineties and, you know, 15 years later, we had a, an NBA team come in, which, you know, we would not have been able to get an NBA team if we hadn't built the arena first. Right. Uh, and so it was one of those, you know, you build it and then you cross your fingers and, and, uh, and we were able to, to accomplish that as well. And while you were doing all this, you also talk about in your book, recognizing that talent is your best asset and your school system is so important to creating that talent. You rebuilt all the schools in the urban core of Oklahoma city. Right. And, and, and that's an initiative that my, my predecessor and some big and some business leaders championed. I was on the city council at the time, but I had just arrived. I really wasn't part of the effort. Uh, maybe symbolically I was, but I wasn't part of the brain trust that put that, that idea together. But yes, basically the inner city school system couldn't pass a bond issue. They're literally the school buildings were falling apart and the city lent its political capital to pass an initiative and rebuilt all 75 buildings in the inner city school system. So refurbished or built anew, new high schools, new schools. And, uh, you know, and, and so it, it has helped address uh, the problems in inner city education. You know, we're, we're still not satisfied with the results of the education level, um, but it was, it was kind of a civic emergency as far as the buildings go. I mean, you, you couldn't expect a good teacher uh, to want to teach there or a good parent to want their kid to be educated in these buildings. I mean, they were, they were literally, uh, you know, scary. Um, and so you know, that was a, an, an incredible uh, political achievement by my, my predecessor. And when I was mayor, we were basically building those schools. Uh, he passed the initiative and I, I uh, helped oversee the construction. And now you must be in a place where, you know, in your post mayoral role here, we just heard from the mayor's office in Kansas city, uh, you know, we were at the, uh, in Oklahoma City for the United States Conference of Mayors just a handful of years ago. So many mayors may be, must be wanting to talk to you about how to do what you did in their towns. Well, yes. I mean, and I think it gets back to that, that, that idea that, you know, if you go to Chicago and you go to Millennial Park, 
you think, wow, this is fabulous. But yeah, this is Chicago. Well, I think if you come to Oklahoma City and you see stuff and you think to yourself, well, if Oklahoma City can do it, we can. You know, I mean, it's we're whatever we've done certainly seems achievable by by other cities around the country. They don't they no longer have an excuse if Oklahoma City has done something that's 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 uh, that, that's worth uh, copying. Uh, and so we've been, you know, thrilled to tell our story. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, we, you know, there are very, very few visitors to Oklahoma City. And right. so now tourism is, you know, it's one of the major attractions in major parts of our economy. But And we're still proud of, of what, you know, the city has accomplished. And we're, we're glad to show it off and share our story. And and if someone steals an idea from here, we're we're uh, we're elated, you know, that people would actually want to do something that we've done. And then what do you think about the future of American cities? Do you see mayors coming together and working more closely together to achieve these goals as a as kind of a national unit more, but then taking those practices back home? I, you know, I think through the years I've learned that, you know, that you have to be creative out there um, and and you can't. Uh, there's hardly any idea that you can you know make an exact duplicate in your city, but you can learn from what other cities have done. Uh, but every city has kind of their own political climate, their own political history, their own business community, um, you know, with these only with these own thoughts and culture. And and so, um, I mean, it, it's it's a mistake for anybody, um, especially a mayor, to think that they know how to help somebody in another city, because if you're not there, you don't really know. But you can talk about what you've done in, in the hopes that that some people can learn from that and and put their own spin on it or their own experiences and 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 adapt to it. Um, but our success in, in one of the things that I talk about in the book is in Oklahoma, municipalities have to kind of go to the voters to do anything special. You got to pass a sales tax extension or an increase or, or a, a bond issue. The people have to vote on it. And so from that standpoint, it's, it's, it's very important that they buy into the idea, the story. In other words, if, if your citizens are, are critical or um, feel like that uh, there's too much negativity in the city and, you know, they don't believe in the leadership or taxes are too high or whatever reason, if they're not going to go vote yes, then, you know, you, you can't get much accomplished. And here in Oklahoma City, as, as city leaders, we have not lost an election since the 80s. Wow. And, and that's an, a remarkable streak and it. Now we've, we've barely won some, but we've always passed them. And, and the, the point of me bringing that up is that you've got to have citizen confidence. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, that I've given a lot of, of credit to my predecessors. Um, the whole point of that is that the citizens appreciate this continuum of leadership. Mm-hmm. In other words, we haven't stopped and started over every time we changed mayors. We've, we, you know, the, the new mayor finished the projects of the last mayor and then added their own along the way. And I, and I think that continuum of leadership is very, very important to creating a positive energy in the city. The other important element of having citizens vote on something is that they take ownership of it and they feel a part of it. It's not what government did for them. It's what they helped accomplish. And so when you hear somebody from Oklahoma City talk about the city's progression, it's very likely they'll use personal pronouns like we. Right. 
And that that's the buy in that is necessary to continue the momentum of the city. They feel like they're a part of it. Our cab drivers talk about in, in, in glorious terms how the city has turned it around. And, you know, that's the type of third party valid third party validation you 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 just dream about. You know, when a visitor comes in town and the cab drivers are talking about what a great city this is and what we've done. And, and they're your you know, they're your your mouthpiece. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that's very important. It's great to get philanthropy to build something. And it's great when a when a mayor just decides I'm going to do this for the city. But at the end of the day, you don't get the buy in of the citizens when you do that. Yeah. And, you know, if that's the only way you can do it, then great. But it's best if the citizens buy into what you're doing and they're a part of it. Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. That's great advice for cities and for for local leaders and for mayors. We really appreciate you. Uh, and we appreciate you being on here. People can learn more about all this advice and the story of Oklahoma City and so many other great mid-sized cities from uh, Mayor Cornette's book, The Next American City. Find it online. Uh, Mayor Cornette, it's so great to see you. I wish I got to see you live and in person. I will tell you this. You have a quote in the uh, beginning of the book from uh, the famous urbanist Jane Jacobs, and she says, when a place gets boring, even the rich people will leave. And you created an entertaining and energetic city that people want to be uh, a part of and people want to come to. So I encourage people to go visit Oklahoma City and use it as an example to build their great cities in their own communities. Thank you, man. I hope to see, I hope to see you in Austin here in a couple of months. Absolutely. We look forward to seeing you. Thank you so much for being on.